0: Hey, glad we got my boo-boo out of the way before, before we went on the air.
1: Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 134. My name is CJ Trader, and with me, as always, my two co-hosts for When, whenever, or at any time you need them, they are there for you. First off, we have Jess Dunks.
2: Hey, this is Jess. I'm Brian Pilgrim. Hi. Hi. Hi, how you doing? Great. It's more like when you need me, if I am around, then I am there for you. <laughs> when oh, I need you, comma, oh, look if at you that. are around. Comma. Comma.
1: All right. So, this is... Yes? Never mind. Don't go deeper. we
2: not
1: doing another level. This is not Inception. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, this episode is about triggered abilities.
2: What? What?
1: Yeah, it's a rules episode. Uh, actually, so we've never done one specifically about triggers, have we? I don't think we have. No. If we did, it was years ago.
2: That's actually pretty surprising. We, we've done it on missed trigger policy in the IPG. Sure, we've done that plenty. But I, I don't think we have ever had one that was on. This is what this is what not missed triggers, but what triggers are. Yeah, and we,
0: we've we've had we've had questions that talk about like intervening if clauses on triggers, and we've done a little bit on priority in the past, but mm-hmm. nothing. Think, nothing on triggers and triggers are wonderful things <laughs> i think
2: wonderful thing about triggers, <laughs> triggers are wonderful thing. Uh, i think the uh the closest we ever got was our our rather noted discussion on uh stroionic resonator when that release notes came out <laughs> jeez we probably did oh uh,
0: i just i just had like a vietnam air level <laughs> where it's just like i don't want to talk about. This. i want to I don't remember what it does, but I hate it. It does something with copying triggers and I don't want to think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The one the one card heard around the world. So, triggers though. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: We were we're way overdue for our rules deep episodes, so let's do it. Yay. Yeah, so let's start with how do you notice a trigger? And I think I think a lot of people know this at this point because it's so important to uh, competitive magic, but hey, let's yeah start at the beginning. Uh, so a trigger, you can always spot a trigger on a card because it usually it uses the words win or whatever, or in there somewhere is the word at. So at the beginning of the upkeep, at the end of the main second main pace, uh, does that exist? Yeah, nor- normally
0: normally at is at at the beginning of this step or phase and when and whenever deal more with, uh, you know, actions that that the game is kind of looking for.
1: Yeah. And and it's interesting, because I think we can say with 100% certainty, if you see the words when, whenever, or at, it means a trigger is happening. Uh, Unless there's some weird Kamigawa card called, you know, Dharmon Angelon at Tanagra, or something like that. (laughs) Otherwise... See the words, you can know. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that laughed at that.
0: <laughs> I, I was just suddenly like, I was like, oh, who was that guy whose eyes were fallen? Um, when the I walls don't... fell. When the walls yeah, when fell. When the walls
1: fell. Yeah, it's Shaka. Shaka when the walls fell. Another <laughs> triggered ability.
0: <laughs> yes, that was a Kamagawa card.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's Shaka when the walls Can we fell. just pivot and do this whole episode in metaphor? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. You know, this is unlike things like uh, we've talked in the past where sometimes um, the word if might signify a replacement effect is happening or the word instead, but they don't always mean that. Um, and we'll get into an example in just a moment where it do- if does not signify a replacement effect. Um, but you can always know you're spotting a trigger when you see when, whenever, or at.
0: Did you did you say that as isn't a, a trigger word? Right, as okay. isn't.
1: Uh, I didn't say that, but yes, that's a true statement. Okay. Uh, like I said, if isn't. Uh, it's like, in whenever, at. That's it.
0: So if something says, like, like the the, the shock lands, they say, as this enters the battlefield, you know, that's not a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, or this enters the battlefield. Oh, sorry, this enters the battlefield. Ta- There's things that say, like, uh, oh, sorry, I misspoke. It, things that say, like, as this enters the battlefield, put three plus one plus one counters on it. That's not a trigger. Right. Oh, okay. okay.
2: Most of those things these days are worded as... This enters the battlefield with three plus counters, which makes it a little clearer. But you're right, the as does not signify a trigger.
1: Yeah, and by the same token, if doesn't, like... If this creature would go to the graveyard, shuffle it into your library instead, like uh, the Blight Coloss- steel colossus, mm-hmm. things like that, also not triggers.
0: So uh, so what, what actually causes a trigger to, like to happen or like how does, how do triggers work from a, from a real basic fundamental standpoint?
2: Trigger abilities are basically a combination of, of two things. Uh, They're a combination of a, a, a condition that has to be true for a triggered ability to happen and an effect that happens when, when you've, when that condition occurs. And the way that we do this is the condition occurs, then the triggered ability goes on the stack And then when the triggered ability resolves, it does the effect. Uh, Mirab with sails unfurled. You looked it up, didn't you? I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shaka when the walls fell. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. It's out of my system now.
1: Yeah, so an example of that is the condition is at the beginning of your upkeep, right? Every time it's the beginning of your upkeep, this condition is met, so it triggers, and then gain one life. At the beginning of your upkeep, gain one life, right? The effect is gain one life. So the triggered ability will trigger at your upkeep, and you gain one life.
2: Now, a lot of players, especially new players, don't understand that, that there's a pause, that something goes on the stack, and there's a pause there, and players can respond there. Because it's written, when this happens, do this other thing, that, that they just want to go ahead and do it, because that's the way other games work. And so that's something as a judge you might deal with with newer players. Is something you should be patient with when explaining. But it's a it's a not uncommon problem that newer players have is that they don't understand that when the when the the condition happens, somebody can respond before the effect occurs.
0: Yeah. So, um, so when they so the one other one other thing that's that's kind of uh, about triggers is. When the triggered event happens, there's actually a little bit, of potentially a little bit of time between when the trigger event occurs and when the trigger goes on the stack.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's definitely true. In fact, um, uh, probably one of the best examples of this would be when you restart the game with Karn. Yes. Uh, so if you put anything, if you restart the game with Karn and anything that you put into play with Karn's ability has a when this enters the battlefield trigger, that triggered ability... Has triggered and will go on the stack, but it's going to wait until your first upkeep to go on the stack. It's not going to go on the stack during the untap step of your first turn.
0: Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of there was there was one particular question where it. it oh, ah, I don't remember it.
1: Let's let's go a little bit more into into when triggers go on the stack, and then we can circle back and talk about uh, this difference between when a trigger triggers
2: and when it goes on the stack, which I think is. The- very important thing. That's for. a really good point. We should mention that. Um, a triggered ability... Well, let's actually start the other way. Let's start with when it triggers, if that's all right. Yeah. So it's, a triggered ability has triggered when its condition has been met. I think we've, we've beat a dead horse on that at yeah, this point. Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. Um, so, so that the condition is met, this ability has triggered. That does not automatically mean it is on the stack. So when do we put it on the stack? When we put it on the stack. The next time a player would receive priority... Uh, after state based actions are checked and not performed. So so, so we check for state based actions, and then if none of those are performed, then we check to see if any abilities have triggered and put those on the stack. And the reason we wait on the state based actions,
1: we do them first, is because they may cause more triggers to trigger. Right. You know, if, if the classic Cone of Flame, three uh, Plague Rats, right, and it kills one, then the other, then the other. Is Plague rat the right card, or is Plague rat the really old card? Pack rat. Pack rat. Yeah, pack rat or relentless rat rats. rats. or, or... Yeah. Um, where, you know, state-based actions kills one and then kills another and kills another. Maybe you have something out there that gives a dice trigger, right? Um, we, we want all these triggers to go ahead and trigger and then wait until a player... Uh, wait until we reach that moment right after state-based actions to actually put them on the stack. So when we have a bunch of triggers that have all triggered uh, and they're waiting to go on the stack, they go in the stack, we commonly call it app nap order, uh, which is active player, non-active player. Um, it's an acronym for it, AP and yeah, AP. Yeah, AP and AP. It, it's a little misleading because if you're in a multiplayer game, um, there are multiple non-active players, but you just go in turn order, right? So,
2: so uh, I've actually heard it described as, as active player, next active player, Okay. which uh, deals with the multiplayer issue So if there's actually. three players, it's app, app, nap. You could say app, nap, nap. Okay, I will. Do you, you, right. do you, it's like Om Nom Nom, but for Magic Rules, yeah, yeah, app, nap nap, oh. nap, 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 nap. Yeah.
1: Om nom nom. So, in Grand Melee, Okay, anyway...
2: Let's <laughs> uh, talk about
1: Grand Melee. <laughs> that is a format
2: we never need to touch. So, the
1: point there is, the triggers... <laughs> if it's your turn, your triggers go on the stack first, your opponent's triggers go on the stack second, meaning your opponent's triggers will resolve before your triggers. Uh, if there, If you have a bunch of triggers that you all control, you control all of them going on the stack at the same time, you do get to order them however you like
0: right but you don't get to you don't get to order you don't get to order your opponent's triggers right because that player has a bunch
1: of triggers going on in the stack right. that they control so they get to so, order them.
0: right so if everybody's got if everybody's got uh, three triggers three different triggers that trigger on each upkeep okay then if i'm active player my triggers are going to go on the stack first and biddy kitties are going to go on top of mine and then biddy kitties are going to resolve in mine but and when if it's biddy kitties turn uh, her trigger her it's a her yeah he yeah sheet. yeah okay it's a her triggers are going to go on first, then mine on top and then they're gonna resolve in uh in that order so it does it does matter and so if you have triggers that that you want to go on the stack, you know maybe you know might be a little bit of strategy there you need to take into consideration as to whose stuff is gonna fire first the old uh, uh what mimic vat dueling mimic vats
2: oh yeah, that was fun.
0: Is a is a prime example. So we both mimic that as a, a card that triggers when uh, when a creature goes to the graveyard or uh, a creature dies. Is it goes to the graveyard or dies, doesn't matter. Yeah. Probably well, um, so in that particular regard, if you really want to get a creature, you want to make sure to kill it on your opponent's turn, so that that his trigger is going to go on the stack and then yours is going to go on top of it, and so that you get the yours resolves first and you get it.
2: Uh, a slightly more likely-to-occur situation is going <laughs> uh, to be two Huntmaster of the Fells in, say, a modern Jund deck. Um, you don't play EDH enough. I know. I've seen I, Double Mimic that Yeah, I absolutely believe it, but in your judging <laughs> career, you're almost never going to come up against it in a format that you're judging instead of playing. Uh, so, so, something you'll see come up frequently, and by enough you mean at all, by the way, <laughs> um, is... All the dueling hunt masters. Yeah, sorry, dueling hunt masters. Basically, so you you have hunt master of the fells is a card that um, when it transforms, it deals two damage to a creature. It also happens to be a two two. So the, the the condition that causes it to transform will cause all hunt master of the fells that currently exist in the game to transform. So uh, when two of them are going to transform simultaneously. Because they are triggered abilities, one of them transforms first and kills the other one, and players will almost always call a judge and ask which of these happens first. And this is exactly this kind of situation where the active player puts theirs on the stack, then the non-active player puts theirs on the stack, and the non-active player, in this case, gets the benefit of the triggered ability, uh, and the, the active player will not. This is one of those situations where we're talking about, where we're talking about having rules knowledge being an advantage. Because the player that understands that is going to be able to play around it, and the player who does not understand that uh, will not He's going to
0: right, he's gonna walk right into it. Yep. And then be like, "Hey, that's cheating."
2: Yeah. And, nope. Well, and and he's not going to think it's cheating necessarily, but but like he won't know that until it comes up. And uh, I, I wanted to point it out because that's the kind of thing that we want players to have as an advantage when we talk about knowing the rules as an advantage. That's it, it's not the kind of thing where we want them to play word games with their opponent. Right. Uh, that's <laughs> that's, that's it, a really good point. It's, it's an aside, but I thought it was an important one. Um, so where, where were we? I'm sorry. I think I got us off track with the master of the fells thing. So, so, so when, when a trigger, so
1: we're at the point where we're putting the trigger on the stack, uh, when you put the trigger on the stack, it is just, it's almost like you're, I don't want to say casting it, but it follows the step, the same steps that casting a spell would, would follow. Let me put it that way. It is not casting. It doesn't count as casting a spell or anything like that. It's an ability. Um, so but what
0: it, I follows, mean, it follows the same steps. It yes. follows the same
1: steps. So it's you know you, you need to choose your modes for the triggered ability. If it has targets, you need to choose the targets. Um, you know if you're dividing damage, I don't know if there's a trigger that does that, but if there is, you'll need to do that and all all the same uh, general steps. Obviously, there won't be any mana cost on a triggered ability. Right.
0: I mean, some triggers require you to might require you to pay mana, but mm. that's handled on resolution. Yes. Um. So yep. Um, and then, uh, sort of, sort of like, uh, uh, so just like spells have controllers, um, triggers are controlled by the person who controlled the source at the time is triggered. So this is kind of one of those weird things where, like, when I cast a spell from my hand, I've got a card that's, that's, that I can put on the stack. With a triggered ability, I don't have an actual card. Uh, I just have an ability, and so that ability kind of derives its information if if you need information about, like, color or anything like that. It derives it from the source. So uh, whoever controlled the source when it triggered is the controller of the trigger and gets to make all of those choices.
2: Yeah, that can get a little awkward with some triggered abilities. Uh, You get some weird effects with, for example, uh, Mind Control and Eidolon of Blossoms. Uh, yeah where you, you mind control an on of Blossoms and the mind control player gets to draw a card because of where it triggers. Um, but more, most often that's actually relatively straightforward. Yeah. Just my, my terrible example notwithstanding. Yeah, an important thing you have to look out for is if, if something
1: is, is uh, triggering um, off of, say, a creature, or you have to watch out if cards are giving the triggered ability to the creature or the card itself has the triggered ability. Like, if you have a card that says, um, at the beginning... I don't have a good example. The The most common thing I see is is when an equipment is attached to a creature, and then somebody mind-controls the creature. If the equipment says, um, you know, whenever this creature deals damage, gain two life, well then, in that case, the ability is on the equipment, and you control the equipment, so that's your trigger. But if it says... In, Equipped creature gains, this or quotation marks, whenever this creature deals damage, gain uh, two life, close parentheses, then that trigger is on the creature. And you got to be careful of something like that because that's where it's important to know who controls the trigger.
0: Who controls
2: the spice?
1: Yes. Who controls the spice?
2: The spice? Dune reference.
1: That's a Dune reference, but I fell asleep with the Dune.
2: All right. All right. Um, an excellent example of that, a really interesting, actually, I think example that can come up with that—that's uh, a little counterintuitive—is a uh, uh, Blazing Torch, which gives the creature the ability: tap this, sacrifice Blazing Torch, deal two damage to target creature player. Um, and even though it gives the creature the ability, if you mind control that creature and try to activate it, you can't because you don't own the Blazing Torch and therefore can't sacrifice it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've I've seen that question come up and seen people argue about it. No, no, no. The creature has the ability. That's true, but you can't sacrifice this thing you don't. Yeah. I mean, the big yeah. one in Legacy is the Tabernacle of Pentral Vale,
1: which oh, grants, yeah, grants, grants that triggered ability to every creature, and that one gets into big mis trigger talks, but that's,
2: yeah, that's a policy. The, 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 the modern version of this conversation is with Kataki. Uh, Kataki, Kataki War's Wage. Okay. Uh, which gives that ability to all artifacts, which oh, is okay. sacrifice this unless you pay one at the beginning okay. of your yeah, yeah.
1: So it's just, it's just important to note you know who controls the trigger because it could matter for putting it on the stack.
0: All right. So is is it is it bad that when you said Kataki's wars wage, I immediately went back to my <laughs> uh, my, my Star Trek list? Kataki when the wars wage. Yes, Kataki when the wars <laughs> wage. His <laughs> Ketaki, his army with fists open. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um. So ability, abilities will trigger uh once each time the event occurs um so if you have a if you have a card that says uh you know whenever a creature dies uh it's going to trigger once when that creature dies or when a creature dies however if you have that trigger can trigger repeatedly like if say a day of judgment is done or a pyroclasm or something that wipes out a bunch of creatures and a bunch of creatures die uh, that trigger is going to fire a whole mess of times, you know, once for each creature that dies or, you know, with uh, with uh, rally, you know, if a bunch of if a bunch of allies enter the battlefield simultaneously, uh, you're going to have a bunch of rally triggers uh, to deal with uh, for each ally that entered the battlefield.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it seems kind of obvious, but abilities will trigger only if the event causing them to trigger actually happens. So, like, what that means is, once again, let's go back to the dies example. Uh, you have a creature that says, whenever a creature dies, lose one life. Mm-hmm. Dies means puts into the graveyard from the battlefield. It's shorthand for that. Uh, if that event, whenever a creature dies, is prevented or replaced somehow, say, through an offenza, which um, says if a creature would enter, if a creature card would enter the graveyard, I believe, it is exiled instead.
0: Or regeneration,
1: um, right? Or regeneration, sure. Um, but if something happens to replace that event, so the dice in this case, then the card doesn't trigger. It seems pretty straightforward, but, um, the event actually has to happen. The triggering event has to happen. Um, the, another one would be the damage. Um, like I had the hypothetical, whenever this creature deals damage, gain two life situation earlier, or, you know, for the, uh, Umazawa's jit. jit, 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 jit. Uh, that's another one, right? If the damage is prevented, say, say, a uh, 2-2 two, two red creature is blocked by a 1-1 one, one with protection from red, right? Um, the damage is prevented, so it's not going to trigger, because no damage was ever
0: done. Yeah. So you can't pull that, well, it did damage, it was just reduced to zero. Yeah. Yeah, no. Huh. It was prevented.
1: <laughs> it still did damage.
0: No, it was no, prevented. No, it didn't. <laughs> it, it, it's an ornithopter. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right.
0: Intervening
1: if triggers. My favorite.
2: Intervening well, if triggers, are they your favorite?
1: Yeah. So we don't go a single uh, FAQ episode without talking about intervening That's if. That's true. Every single one. Much as one. I might try. Aww. <laughs> it comes up in every single one. Every set has intervening if triggers.
2: Uh, triggers that are intervening if triggers are only triggers that, that have what we call an intervening if clause. And what that means is. Basically, they have two conditions. They have the normal condition, such as at the beginning of your upkeep, and a secondary condition that's checking to see if something else is true. So, for example, uh, Felidar Sovereign says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 or more life, you win the game. I think it's 40. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, it's doing two things. The first thing is... It's only going to trigger if both of these conditions are true. So it has to be the beginning of your upkeep, and you have to have 40 or more life. If both of these things are true, it goes on the stack. Now with these secondary if clauses, there's something else that happens. When the ability goes to resolve, it checks that if portion again. In this case, it's checking again to see if you still have 40 life when it would resolve. And if you do have 40 life when it would resolve, then it resolves and you win the game. And if you do not have 40 life, it is instead removed from the stack. It goes poof. In technical terms, yes.
0: Yes, in technical terms.
2: Um, so, I mean, are there any, uh, any other good examples that you might uh, have here?
0: Yeah, um, hold on. It's... Uh... I, think I just got lucky and used a standard card yeah. by accident. Yeah. Well, I
2: was, uh,
1: <laughs> so another good one yeah. is Dragon Master Outcast, which is also yeah. in Battle presenter card. Yep. They like gave us some solid. They didn't reprint work. Scoot Mob, did they? That would be amazing. Oh, oh. Scoot mob is so, good.
0: Yeah, so I had I had a, a question that actually came up at a, a, a PPTQ with Flame Wake Phoenix, um, where the guy was uh, at the beginning of combat, he was um, going to have a creature with power four or greater after some, some triggers resolved.
1: So let me read Flamewake Phoenix real quick because I had no idea what that card was. Uh, it's a 2-2 with flying and haste, and it attacks each turn of Abel, and it has Ferocious. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control a creature with power four or greater, you may pay red. If you do, return it from your river to the battlefield. All right, continue, Ryan.
0: Okay so so what the I don't remember what the other card was but it was specifically he was he was saying oh well I get this trigger so that's going to give me a creature with power 4 or greater so I can pay red and get the guy back but it was also a uh basically a an at the beginning of combat trigger so he didn't he didn't have the creature at the beginning of combat so the flamewake phoenix trigger first trigger didn't occur yet. right so it wasn't put on the stack but even though when it would have resolved if he could have put it on the stack it that condition would have been true when it went to resolve but since he didn't have it at the beginning of combat it didn't even go on the stack in the first place so again this is a situation where superior rules knowledge uh, uh, can help you out
2: all right are we are we if we uh, exhausted? The Zone change triggers, or not oh, sorry, the, 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 yeah. the, the
1: intervening gift triggers. Yeah, let's talk about May triggers. So, May triggers used to be a lot more common than they are today. And, uh, part of the reason we have the trigger policy we have today is because wizards wanted to print fewer May triggers because they're little,
0: they were giving people problems like what, well, well, I may do this. Yeah, uh, they weren't
2: this... giving people problems, it was just confusing. Like, yeah, like you had an excellent example would be a spirit warden, right? Yeah, one of them. Uh, where it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. Um, Spirit I Warden may. And Essence Warden, and, and I so may? right, you may gain one life, and so players were confused by this. They they would think, oh, I I why would I ever choose not to gain one life? And yeah, then I, it was all the feel bads when you forgot because it's an easy thing to forget, and so so people were. People would forget, and they would be like, "Oh well, I guess I guess that just means I chose not to." And it was super feel bad when you forgot. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to now, at, you know, at FNM, if you forget something that says at the, you know, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, gain one life. Soul Warden, I think is that card. Sure. I, was, I think I actually got I, a, I, I think I got ways. it backwards actually, yeah. but yeah. So either way, um, one of those says you may gain life, and one of them just says gain life. In the case of a card that just says gain life, if you're a Friday Night Magic and you miss that trigger, uh, we're going to put it on the stack, uh, and you're going to get it anyway. As opposed to the feel bad scenario of, well, I guess you just chose not to, even though you didn't really choose not to, you just forgot it existed.
0: Right. I think I think I think a lot of may triggers arose as a result of tournament policy. Right. Because used to you used to get if you missed if you missed your trigger, it didn't matter what kind of trigger it was. You used to get a warning. But there was this clause that it's like, well, well, if it's a may trigger and you didn't do it, well, that's just a whiff you didn't get. You didn't you chose not to do it. So no harm, no foul. Yeah. And yeah. and so I think they kind of put put some may triggers in the in the game to kind of smooth that along so that if you did forget to do it yeah, again, no harm, no foul. Uh, where they kind of moved, they realized that that caused problems, and we've shifted policy away from that. So may triggers have kind of gone away, but there's there's some that are still out there. They still exist,
1: and I didn't mean to go this deep into policy on our rules episode. So <laughs> let's let's reel it back in to the rules. Uh, so may triggers are basically they have triggers like like just said it said whenever a creature the battlefield, you may gain one life. They'll say something like that. Um, these triggers they always go on the stack. And then when they resolve, you decide whether or not you actually want to do that. So your opponent doesn't get to know whether or not you're going to do the may portion uh, before the the triggered ability actually resolves. And uh, a classical classical thing with these is is if the may trigger targets, you still have to choose a target for the trigger even if you don't intend to do the may part when it resolves. And so. Uh, <laughs> something that can happen is if you have an illusionary creature, so something that says whenever this comes to target to spell or ability, sacrifice it.
0: Uh, oh, I did this. I did this in a uh, duel of the planeswalkers, uh, like twenty fourteen. Yeah, a lot. And, I loved this. Yeah, you know, I don't know. So,
1: Brian's example here was Lorthos the Tide Maker. Uh, yes, Lorthos when the tide was made, yeah. he. <laughs> Uh, which he, I think he says, geez, what he taps eight things.
0: Yeah, uh, when Lorthos the Tidemaker attacks, you may pay eight. If you do tap up to eight target permanents, those permanents don't untap during their controller's next untap step. So when you attack, you actually, even though it says you may pay eight, if you do tap, even though, uh, it says pay eight, and then if you do tap eight targets, you have to choose those up to eight targets. Before you det- before you uh, pay the eight, so when you attack, you're gonna say uh, target that 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 all the way up to eight. Then when the ability goes to resolve, you can say, eh, eh not gonna pay the eight.
1: Yeah. So if your opponent had a bunch of uh, phantasms,
0: yeah, phantasmal
1: uh, bears, yeah, yeah, phantasmal bear and phantasmal dragon or whatever, you could wipe out a bunch of them,
0: you just uh, target them. and not even pay the mana, and not even pay the mana.
1: That's pretty
0: sweet. It's fun. Yeah. All right, let's talk about
1: zone change triggers.
2: I love zone change triggers. <laughs> oh. I do. The All similar, right. I have some very convoluted rules questions that I'm not going to get into on the show right now about zone change triggers, so... Oh. D- ask me later. Um, so, zone change triggers are relatively straightforward. Um, they aren't just things that happen when something changes zones, which seems weird because they're called zone change triggers, they require two things. Uh, It's something as a zone change trigger when it first of all changes, it it triggers because something changed a zone from say, the most common would be uh, entering the battlefield from another place or uh, going to the graveyard from the battlefield and tries to do something with the object after it changes zones. Uh, For example, persist and undying are both abilities that will return a creature to play from the graveyard when it dies. Um, Well, that creature dies, but then it goes to the graveyard, and it's technically a new object. So we have to have a special set of rules just for these kind of triggers that say that it can find the object that that card became when it goes to the graveyard.
0: Well, it it doesn't—zone change triggers don't have to try and do something on the object. Uh right like like uh when when X enters the battlefield gain two life I mean that's a zone change trigger right because it's an enters the battlefield an enters the battlefield trigger is a zone change trigger right
2: um, I'm not sure if that falls yes it happens when something changes zones I'm not sure if that falls under the, the special section of the rules on zone change triggers it may or may not I, yeah I it, it's,
0: it's 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 the next yeah um, but but yeah. So what happens is, is the zone change triggers. They're actually allowed. They have special exceptions in the rules because the the object just changed zones. So we, you, there's that rule that says, hey, if it changes zones, it becomes a new object. Well, zone change triggers kind of have an exception where it's like, oh no no no, it can find it. That's that's kind of how, like how that's able to work in a lot of cases, especially when it involves leaving leaving the battlefield. I
1: imagine a lot of people don't even realize that we would need a rule to make this work right. in the first place. Like, um, you know, like, persist, right?
2: Like, without this rule, persist actually doesn't work. Right. This, and this, I don't think people would realize that. This is one of those rules that makes the game work the way you expect the game to yeah. work.
0: Right. And it, and it exists because probably at one point it didn't exist, and then someone was like, hey, you realize that this doesn't work, right? And they're like, uh, exception? Yeah, there Not is... The-
2: uh, th- there is an important thing about this uh that that these trigger abilities only look for the card in the zone that it went to uh so if the card has changed zones again with this trigger on the stack it- it's not going to be able to find it mm-hmm.
0: so so here was here a here is a question that that deals with with that rule so this was one that this was one of my earliest rules questions that i had i had trouble with back in the day um so the que- i've got out uh uh a, a, a What's the the black ley line that uh Leyline of the, the Void. Leyline of the Void. So so Rest in
2: Peace, I think, might be a better current version.
0: So so um I've got out I've got out uh an it that betrays it's an Eldrazi. Uh that has the that has the ability whenever an opponent sacrifices a non token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. And I also have a Leyline of the Void out, which is whenever a creature would go to the graveyard, exile it instead. And the question is, I attack with uh, the It That Betrays, the Annihilator 2 triggers, and they sacrifice two go- two two dudes. Um, then with the Ley Line of the Void, they go to Exile instead of the Graveyard. The question is, do I get them back with It That Betrays? Because It That Betrays, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, you may put that card onto the battlefield under your control. I remember you asking me
2: this as a youth. Yeah, right. this, this is one of those scenarios I wasn't going to get too deep into, but uh, <laughs> what happens here is that you do get it, because the object of the—I'm uh, sorry, the zone that that card went to is the exile zone, because it didn't go to the graveyard first and then go to the exile zone. It went directly from the battlefield to the to the exile zone, and since this ability does not use the word dies and it doesn't refer to going to the graveyard, it only cares about the fact that a permanent was sacrificed— the ability still triggers, and it can find the the card in the object it went to, which is the exile zone, so it can bring it back.
0: So that kind of highlights the... So it looks for it in the zone that it went to.
2: Yep. Unless you pull for return it, and then it becomes a new object in the exile zone, which is just crazy.
1: <laughs> or ingest. Or not ingest, but process. Yes, if you were to process it, that is yeah. a, new, a new way that that works. That's, that's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So just to double down on what Jess just said like let's not forget that the rules still exist that if if the trigger condition doesn't actually happen then the trigger is still not going to happen right so that's why uh, with Leyline of the void out and your persist creature dies yeah it immediately went to another zone but as far as the game is concerned the trigger condition was when this creature enters the graveyard from the battlefield and it didn't it went into exile so it never triggered so this isn't a situation where persist creatures are going to come back from exile or something weird like that right but Brian's situation worked because it says sacrifice, and that's why it's
2: confusing. All right, I think we have uh, we've exhausted zone change triggers.
0: Well, do we want to do we want to talk about the from anywhere? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, we should. Uh, okay, we
1: can so talk about. we should talk about um, the basic case before that. Um, so the enters the battlefield triggers and the leaves the battlefield triggers. Um, how how they know whether or not to trigger. So for example, um uh, let's let's go with an inches of battle trigger. Let's say I have a... let's do Soul Warden again. Um and I cast clone, and as a clone resolves I choose to copy Soul Warden. Do I get to gain one life off of off of my clone Soul Warden, not um Oh they say another creature don't they? Oh Soul terrible yeah. Soul Warden? Yeah, it doesn't Soul Warden. Soul Warden doesn't trigger off itself because I'm sure she says another
2: creature. Let's just go all crazy and just play Sutra Priest now. Sure. (laughs) Sutra Priest priest. is
0: whenever another creature enters. Yeah, they're all
1: another creature. Because technically they would trigger off themselves because of this rule if if they didn't all say another, and that would be confusing to people.
0: Let's have a rally.
1: Yeah, rally is a better example, which uh, Brian touched on earlier. If you have a bunch of allies enter at the same time, we look at the battlefield uh, for Enter the Battlefield triggers. You look, right after the event. Yeah, you look at the battlefield as it exists right after the event. So uh, you you did something, you work-worlded, and you made a bunch of rally allies come into play. I'm sorry, Enter the Battlefield. <laughs> I, I, I had a lapse there. Um, no, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, you're going to look at, the, you're gonna look at the, the battlefield as it exists now, and you're going to see seven allies, and they all see... Uh, a bunch of other ones enter, and they're all going to trigger the rallies. Um, all seeing each other enter as well. And then for uh, triggers that are when something leaves the battlefield. So in this case, uh, dies trigger is one. There are also some that just say leaves the battlefield, like, uh, uh, what was that? Swag Swagtusk. tusk, dusk. that's it. Swagtusk. I can swag remember dusk. the nickname before I can remember the real name. Uh, yeah, it's Tusk. It's it makes yeah. sense. They look at, at the card as it existed uh, right before the event. So, say I am cloning a Thragtusk, and my cloned Thragtusk uh, is exiled. Well, in exile, the clone is just a clone. It doesn't have the triggered abilities. But like we just said, you look at the event as it existed. Oh, I'm sorry, you look at the trigger as it existed right before the event. Yeah.
0: So, so this is, this is kind of weird, because... If, if you think about it, there's, there's rules that say abilities on cards only function on the battlefield unless they say otherwise. Okay, so Thragtusk has an enters the battlefield trigger, gain five life. So that makes sense. It's a card that's on the battlefield. It enters the battlefield. You look at it immediately after you gain the five life because the ability functions on the battlefield. Great, good. Okay, but then it's got this ability that says when Thraktas leaves the battlefield, put a 3-3 beast token. Well, if it leaves the battlefield, it's gone when the trigger event happened. So the ability isn't on a card that's on the battlefield, so it doesn't trigger, wait, I don't understand. So they kind of did, I guess for lack of a better word, they they codified it in the rules where they just said, no, no, no it looks... So, for the enters the battlefield, we look at the event immediately after. For leaves the battlefield, we look at it as it existed immediately before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and, and immediately before, it was on the battlefield with this ability, so it was able to see itself uh, leave the battlefield with the trigger, uh, uh, with the ability on the battlefield, being able to function, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, and this is also why, if you have something that says, whenever another creature dies, uh, and Day of Judgment, it sees all those other creatures die. It's the exact same situation. You're looking at the battlefield right before the event. Uh, it also makes humility work really well with triggers, Oh, by mm-hmm. making them go away. Yeah, like if you have humility out, I think you would expect an enter the battlefield trigger not to trigger, which it doesn't, and I think you would expect a dies trigger not to trigger, which it
2: doesn't. All also because of this rule. This all uh, this this actually leads directly into talking about from anywhere yep. Uh, yep since what everything we're talking about it's important to note that these all these leaves the battlefield triggers that you're talking about have the words leaves the battlefield or in the case of dies means goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, from the battlefield yeah and if it's something that says it can go to the it, this triggers when it goes to the graveyard from anywhere it no longer cares whether or not it left the battlefield which importantly means it also doesn't care what it was when it was on the battlefield. So if I have, and I'm going to use some old cards here because the example comes to mind, if I have a Guile, uh, which says, uh, when this goes to a graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's library, mm-hmm. and it has Lignify on it, which makes it a 0 tree Treefolk with no abilities, then when Guile dies as a 04 true folk with no abilities it still triggers and gets shuffled in because it does not check what it was when it was on the battlefield it only checks what it is in the graveyard yep so just to give one more example for people who might need it it's um
1: the classic one for me was always you have an imrakul out and you clone it imrakul's legendary and so you clone it and uh so now because the legend roll you have to choose one of the two to put in the graveyard you choose to clone you put the clone in the graveyard, well, in the graveyard, the clone is not an emerkel, the clone's just a clone. So in that case, you're not gonna end up shuffling your entire uh, uh, graveyard into your library.
2: Yeah, so that's actually really fun when the clone is a copy. Like I'm sorry, a token copy. Because the token copy still hits the graveyard and shuffles. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're saying it's it's a um, like a,
1: a like an imposter or
2: yeah, or yeah, or you you somehow make a token copy of an emerkel. And then you have two of them, so, so you put the token copy in the graveyard, Yeah, and it will shuffle, even though it's a copy, because it's still a copy in the graveyard. It's very very strange. Yeah. Oh, wow. Neat. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: because this is for token copies, not the bright clone.
2: Sorry, th- th- yeah. what I was saying is if it is a token copy and not a card, but if it is the card clone or Phantasmal Image or whatever you might be using, mm-hmm. uh, it is that card in the graveyard. So it does not trigger the ability. All
1: right. So I think we can talk about delayed triggers next episode.
2: <laughs> no, I I think we have delayed it enough. Yeah, I think we have. Oh, oh that was awful. Because
0: <laughs> I actually thought you were serious. I looked at the clock and I was just like, oh, he's probably getting tired. Hey, man. <laughs> I did. You're Stay like, in. oh, we'll talk about it next episode. Staying like, strong. Oh, it's 11 right. o'clock. CJ turns into a pumpkin. Yeah,
1: it's. It's a bit much. So, uh, some some effects, even some triggers, create what is called a delayed trigger. And what a delayed trigger is is basically it's saying, hey, at some point in the future, this trigger is going to happen. Um, classic one would be uh, if if there's there's a trigger in one of the new sets that makes a little three one elemental, and then it says at the beginning of the next instep, sacrifice that elemental. That's not an ability on the elemental or anything. This this triggered ability is actually just setting up this future. Delayed trigger ability to clean up the elemental. That's what a lot of these delayed trigger abilities do, is they kind of clean something up. Not always, but a lot of times a Geis of St. Trap. Yeah, Kiki-jiki. Kiki-jiki, is. yeah. Um, and then sometimes sometimes the uh, the card itself might have that ability, like Ball Lightning says at the beginning of the next inception Sacrifice Ball Lightning. That's not a delayed trigger ability, because that's just a regular trigger ability on the Ball Lightning. Um, something has to set up a delayed trigger ability and say, hey, in the future, we're going to do this.
0: So, so something that, that seems, seems intuitive, uh, uh, when you say it, um, but it's not necessarily, but we still get a lot of questions is the, the effect that is creating the delayed trigger still has to resolve. Yeah. Uh, in order to create the delayed trigger. So if you, if you cast a spell, uh, that, that creates a delayed trigger that's, you know, uh, when, whenever you cast, um, that, that allows you to exile a creature or something like that, that ability has to, uh, at the end of turn or the next time another creature enters the battlefield or whatever, that ability has to resolve in order to set that delayed trigger up. Um, so that's when when it resolves that's when the game starts watching for the trigger it doesn't like suddenly like look back at time in time to see and get to see anything that happened in between when the ability was put on the stack and when the ability resolved or anything like that so uh yeah i'm not gonna beat that dead horse again (laughs) Uh, delayed triggers can also also contain the words when, whenever, and at, but they might not actually start the beginning of the delayed triggered clause. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, exile this creature at the beginning of the next end step. Okay, uh, that that ability didn't start with the words when, whenever, or at, but it still got the. At the beginning of it, still got that 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 magic word in the in the delayed trigger. Yeah, let me
1: let me talk about the geist for a second. Let me just read its actual text because I think it could be tricky to people. But it says whenever geist of Saint Trapt attacks, put a four four white angel creature token flying onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Exile that token at end of combat. Right. So yep. like even that second sentence doesn't start with the word at, but we see the word at in there, and so we know it's setting up a delayed trigger ability.
0: Yep. Uh let's see here so delayed delayed triggers uh when they when they get set up they uh they kind of hang out and they they just kind of stick around for forever unless uh it has a duration like uh this turn you know it'll say uh you know whenever you do something this turn or uh it'll 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 it'll, it'll trigger and then it ends at the end of this turn or it ends when it fires one time Otherwise, it's just going to hang out for forever. Now, when they write these things, they generally give a duration. So it's 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 kind of weird. The rule is set up so that it's like, hey, they don't expire unless they have a duration. But the exception case in the rule is actually the normal case when it comes to writing cards.
1: Uh, I don't know. There's quite a few. So, but to give another example of this, using Geist already because I already talked about him. Uh, Say so you, you attack with the Geist. You put the angel on the battlefield, and your opponent ends the turn through whatever means, right? Well, we still have that delayed triggered ability that says exile that token at the end of combat. Uh, in this case, end of combat was skipped, so we didn't get to exile it. So that that trigger is still going to wait for the end of a combat to come out. So in the opponent's end of combat, next end of combat, that delayed trigger ability is still going to—it's actually going to pop in there and be like, okay. Here I am. I'm going to exile this, this angel now because that was waiting on. Um, a similar example is if the opponent uh, or yourself ends the turn in response to that trigger.
0: Okay. So, so, you, so you have a sundial. You, yeah. the, the Geist of St. Traff controller, have also control a sundial of the infinite? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and so I know this is an unlikely situation, but I think right. I think it proves the I think
0: it it's, hammers it's, the point it's home. It's totally going to be Kiki Jiki in Sundial of the Infinite, and we're sure. playing a gauge. Uh,
1: but it says once again, so that trigger is triggered. It says, "Hey, I'm going to exile that token, and you end the turn in response." So the triggered ability never gets to resolve, but the triggered ability doesn't care whether or not it resolves; it just cares whether or not it triggered, and it did. So uh, from then on, forever, the delayed trigger already did its job, which was trigger on a delay. It did its job. It it triggered. Uh, so you actually get to keep that angel forever, so it was a sweet combo. Yeah. If anyone so that's, wants to build that.
0: That kinda goes back to the thing that, that triggers are going to trigger. Okay. The wonderful thing about triggers is they're gonna trigger. Yes. Um and uh they don't care and they're not going to with with the exception of maybe Game State triggers, we'll talk about those a little bit. But but once it triggers, it's it's kind of done its thing um uh, especially these these delayed these delayed triggers um if you if you skip it it's just going to sit out there waiting but if it fires off and then you somehow you stifle it you end the turn you void slime it i think can also do triggered abilities mm-hmm. um then the game's not going to try and fire that thing off again it's like ah i already tried to do that so meh, mm. meh. all right
1: state triggers state triggers i love state triggers they're pretty rare, I think. They are. Yeah. Uh, the classic example is Dark Depths. So, so state triggers trigger whenever a certain game state is true. Uh, so, they're not looking for an event to happen. They're looking for something to be true. So, uh, so Dark Depths is... Uh, it is a battle with some ice counters, and you can remove ice counters, but it reads, When Dark Depths has no ice counters on it, sacrifice it. If you do, put a legendary to 22, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter, but... The important part here is it's not looking for an event to happen. It's not looking for a creature to die or, or you know, at the beginning of your archive or anything like that. It's looking for that game state where Dark Depths has no ice counters on it.
2: And the way the, the way this would be worded if it weren't a, a state trigger is when the last ice counter is removed.
1: Yeah, but it does not say that. Yeah. Right. Right, it does not say that. So state triggers have some special handling uh, because... If they didn't, that would actually trigger infinitely, right? Right. The moment it no longer has ice counters on it, it would just trigger forever. and Trigger, trigger, trigger yeah. Yeah. Because that, that state is now true all the time.
2: Right. If that were true, then on NTGO, it wouldn't even go on the stack. It would just keep triggering infinitely yes. and crash your game. Yeah. And never go on the stack because every time it would want to go on the stack, more triggers would be happening. Right.
1: So state triggers have a special rule that say if there is a copy of that state trigger already waiting to go on the stack, they don't trigger again. Makes sense. Uh, they don't trigger again until, until uh, that first version of the trigger is handled in some way. Either it resolved or it's countered or it left the stack. Um, and then it'll trigger again. So if, if I have dark depths and my opponent's like, I'm gonna get you, and he uh, stifles the trigger, well, good on him, but the moment Stifle resolves, Dark Depths is just going to trigger again. Aww. So, yeah. Hmm. So I'm going to imagine most st- uh, state triggers do something to remove themselves to make sure it doesn't happen. Doesn't just happen infinitely.
2: Uh, or they make you win the game. Or they make you win the game. Or make someone else lose the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I'm going to wager in many cases they they do something to make sure they're not going to trigger again after they resolve. That's state triggers.
0: Alright, so I guess there's there's one last uh, one last example of of triggers um and that is uh when a static ability uh, is linked to a triggered ability and one of the the, the examples of that uh we're talk about is is Keranos. So Keranos says Reveal the first card you draw on each of your turns uh, whenever you reveal... Okay, whenever. Whenever you reveal a land card this way, draw a card. Whenever you reveal a non-land card this way, Kerenos deals three damage to target creature or player. Um, those two triggers are linked to the... Sta- uh are part of the static ability, and they're linked to the reveal the first card you draw on each of your turns. Um, it doesn't just mean... That on any old draw you can reveal a land card and you get to draw a card. Uh, so they're 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 linked, they're joined at the hip, uh, and that's really about the only thing to say about uh, uh, these these triggers that are linked to static abilities or continuous yeah. effects. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's just another rule to make things work that you didn't think needed a rule to make it work. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we didn't. We didn't talk about linked abilities at all um, because linked abilities is a broader category than just triggers, which is what uh, we were talking about here. But just as a quick example of a linked ability, it's 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 what one trigger can make something happen, and the other trigger can see that see that event that happened, right? So uh, Oblivion Ring is a classic example where Oblivion Ring will enter the battlefield, it'll exile permanent, a no land burn and then it has the Wind the Oblivion ring leaves the battlefield. Return that permanent to the battlefield. Um, that that's a classic ability of a classic example of a linked ability. Not to be confused with these static abilities linked to a triggered ability. That's just a linked ability. Um, because in a vacuum, all abilities on magic cards are separate. They don't they don't know what the other ones did. But that is a linked ability. It's not that important. <laughs> well we covered it in one episode I don't remember which but we definitely covered it before yes
2: I think we've covered it multiple times
1: yeah alright let's talk about some news um Brian just added one for some reason about exemplars of today I
0: did which hey man is, <laughs> that's
1: a great thing to mention
0: it is a good thing to mention
1: sometimes sometimes we'll we'll finish an episode and after the episode I'll be like uh the band restricted list came out yesterday and I'm like crap <laughs> like we probably should have <laughs> talked about that but yeah, Exemplar. That's a big one.
0: Yeah. So so this this specific uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something to put in your show notes, CJ. Uh oh. so we we've talked about it briefly before. The Exemplar program is a peer-to-peer recognition system uh a project that we've got set up where judges uh can nominate other judges for an exemplar nomination and they can say they can nominate them for Of a whole variety of things. Generally, we're looking for uh, uh, actions that are performed above and beyond the Call of Duty. Um, And the Wave 3 nominations got posted today, along with uh, some updates and changes for Wave 4. There's a a blog post out there on the Exemplar blog page where we talk about that. And you can log on to Judge Apps. And on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll have this wonderful little thing called... uh, uh, the exemplar you can my recognitions or my yeah my recognitions you can click on that and you can search to see if you received one um so go check out the blog uh go check in judge apps see would see uh see if anyone uh, nominated you and yeah
2: yeah and if they didn't that's okay
0: yes yeah yeah, uh, this specifically with wave with wave three, there's there was a certain number of slots uh, allocated to to people, so there was a lot of discussion about you know oh I've got so many people to nominate, but I've only got one slot to nominate uh, like three people that I want to nominate. So that was that was a concern for wave three. I think we've addressed that for wave four. It's in the it's in the blog uh, that Tj is going to put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so. Yes,
1: uh, also, it might be worth mentioning that Mario Olavato, he, he posed a question on our Facebook page about um, Magic Story and like asking for advice on books to read. And because I wrote a really long response, I'm going to mention it here. If anyone is just really interested in going and reading that, you can see it on our Facebook page. If not, don't go to our Facebook page because it is there. <laughs>
0: what, was the, what was the question?
1: Uh, he just wanted to know like what my thoughts were on uh, what books – what novels to read, particularly the old novels. Um, Also, like, comics, any other supplemental stories.
0: you recommended the Scars of Mirrodin novel, right? Oh, of course. We're not going to get into that.
1: (laughs) But no, never. That thing has done so much damage to anyone I try to suggest a book to.
0: It's the only one I've read. I know. And and never again.
1: No, no, I'll never read anything that guy ever wrote. (laughs) Like, but... <laughs> That's a topic for a different podcast where I get to waste their time. We we <laughs> keep to a tight schedule. <laughs> Alright. Right. So if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash judgecast, or follow us on Twitter twitter.com slash judgecast. It's a good trigger joke to go out on. When this episode is over, I'll say goodbye. Tut tut looks like the end. Tut tut looks like the end. My name yeah. is Cedar Schrader. I keep it fair.
2: I'm Jess Dunks. At the end, I say I keep it fun.
0: <laughs> I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy.